you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Before we begin, I would just like to remind you that if you enjoy the podcast, it would be awesome if you could head over to Apple Music, hit the subscribe button, and drop a review. It really helps out the show. If you've got a great creepy story to tell, send us an email at straightupenigmas at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at straightupenigmas or Twitter at straightenigmas. Your story could be featured in an upcoming episode. While I put a lot of time into this show, I want to give due credit to the many articles I used to find the information making this episode possible. Information on these articles can be found in the show notes and also on our website at straightupenigmas.home.blog. As you heard at the top of the episode, Straight Up Enigmas is now part of the Straight Up Strange Productions Network. The network has a great lineup of creepy shows that explore myths and legends, true crime, unsolved history, and strange science. You can find our spooky family online at straightupstrange.com, Twitter at Strange Podcasts, and Instagram at Strange Pods. Be sure to follow the Straight Up Strange Network on social media and sign up for our newsletter for chances to win giveaways and exciting prizes. Thanks for listening, everyone, and without further ado, let's begin. While most stories of flickering lights, unexplained shadows, and strange voices on horror film sets are most likely a marketing ploy, some are allegedly supported with solid evidence. On the set of James Wan's The Conjuring, the laptop screen of lead actress Vera Farmiga supposedly and mysteriously showed digital claw marks one day when she opened her computer. The actress also showed off photos and interviews of what appeared to be claw marks on her leg after filming concluded on the movie. During pre-production of the film Annabelle, director John R. Leonetti reported seeing and taking a picture of three fingers drawn through the dust along the window, backlit by the moon. The director was naturally terrified as the demon of Annabelle has three talons. Of all haunted Hollywood's cursed film productions, one in particular is considered to have one of the worst movie curses of all time. The film tells the story of a man who accidentally adopts the Antichrist as his son, and the movie remains one of horror's most successful franchises. But what was it about the set that led producers to believe the film was really cursed by the devil himself? Stay with me as we examine the mysterious curse of the 1976 film, The Omen. I'm Jaden McKell, and you're listening to Straight Up Enigmas.
followed in the footsteps of two of the most successful horror films of the 1970s and hoped to piggyback off their popularity, but producers should have been warned that both of those films were also allegedly cursed. A year after the release of Rosemary's Baby, members of the Charles Manson family murdered director Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, and her unborn child. The Exorcist was notoriously plagued with incidents before, during, and after filming. Supposedly, a very selective fire destroyed the McNeil home and put the production on hiatus for six weeks. Despite the severity of the fire, it somehow managed to leave the nearby set of Reagan's bedroom entirely unharmed. With all of these strange occurrences, what makes The Omen stand out? Let's take a look at 13 reasons why The Omen, its many sequels, and 2006 remake may have actually been cursed. After helping to create special effects for The Omen, John Richardson began work on A Bridge Too Far. He was on location in Holland with his wife and special effects sculptress Liz Moore, and as they were driving along on an empty road one night, they hit another car head-on. Richardson was knocked unconscious, but Moore was decapitated when one of the front wheels tore through the floor and hit her. As Richardson came to after the crash, he noted the tragedy was creepily similar to a horribly gruesome decapitation scene he had designed for the omen. He also claims he saw a road sign off to one side of the accident that pointed out the town of Omen was 66.6 kilometers away. In one chilling scene from The Omen, Lee Remick, as Damien's mother, is completely terrified by a group of baboons who attack the car in reaction to her demonic son. According to Richard Donner, her fearful screaming was completely real. The crew had placed a baboon inside the car to make the attacking primates more angry and then filmed their violent response. The baboon's trainer was also killed by a ferocious feline. Some stories claim it was a lion, but producer Harvey Bernhard says, He was killed the day after we shot there. He was killed by a tiger. He grabbed him by the head and killed him instantly. In October of 1975, Gregory Peck was on a London-bound airplane on his way to filming when the aircraft was struck by lightning. The bolt caused one of the engines to catch fire and the plane came very close to crashing into the Atlantic Ocean below. A few weeks later, producer Mace Newfield was on his way to the chute when his airplane was also struck by lightning while crossing the Atlantic. Two lightning-related pre-production mishaps are strange enough, but after screenwriter David Seltzer rode an airplane that was also struck by lightning, evidence of a curse seemed to be forming. And if these three incidents weren't convincing enough, producer Harvey Bernhard came extremely close to being struck by lightning while filming in Rome. One of the Omen's most memorable scenes involves Gregory Peck trying to escape a cemetery while being attacked by a group of extremely vicious dogs. Several carefully trained Rottweilers were utilized for the film and were instructed to attack a stuntman in Peck's place. 
The stuntman was safely enclosed in a layer of protective padding, and the dogs were set loose, but something went wrong. For reasons unknown, the dogs began really attacking the stuntman and were so vicious, their teeth went right through the stuntman's protective gear. They even ignored their trainer when ordered to stop. Luckily, the stuntman survived. After surviving the lightning-induced terror on his overseas flight, producer Mace Newfield was involved in a few other curse-related incidents. While staying at a Hilton hotel in London, he and his wife were given an early checkout when the Irish Republican Army, the IRA, blew up the building. Luckily, neither were at the hotel at the time and received no injuries. Several days later, Newfield, several other producers, and Gregory Peck were headed to a restaurant when the IRA bombed that building as well. In order to get some aerial shots for the film, the crew hired a local small plane. At the last minute, the aircraft company changed plans and rented the plane to another group of people. The Omen crew was told they would have to wait until later that day. This turned out to be an extremely lucky turn of events since the plane they were supposed to be on crashed, allegedly flying into a flock of birds upon takeoff, slamming through a fence, and hitting a car. We'll be back with more right after this. Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are the hosts of Into the Portal. If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at intotheportal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare peer into the portal? Hello. Do you like werewolves? Ghosts? How about weird legends, folklore? Or is witchcraft your thing? Then join us on Charles Christian's Weird Tales radio show every Thursday. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube, and at weirdtalesradio.com. When stuntman Alf Joint was done filming scenes for The Omen, he went to work on a bridge too far, but the curse may have followed him there. For one shot, he was supposed to jump off a tall building and land on an airbag, something he'd done before with no problem at all. This time, though, he jumped awkwardly and landed on the ground instead of the safe pad. Seriously injured, he was rushed to the hospital and luckily survived. When he regained consciousness, he said he felt like he'd been pushed. In June of 1975, Gregory Peck's son, Jonathan, was found to have shot himself. Although there was no note, his death was ruled a suicide, and Peck was devastated by the loss. The real-life Guilford Cathedral served as a very prominent backdrop in the film, but after the omen was released, the priests had trouble getting people to attend mass there. 
After the building sent Damien into a terrible rage, the local congregation was a bit too scared to visit, and their fear was still active more than 30 years later. In 2008, an armed man was spotted on the church grounds and police were called. Helicopters were brought in and eventually the man was shot and killed by the authorities on the same cathedral steps once appearing in the movie. It's possible the building became caught up in the curse as well. Robert Bob Munger was a born-again Christian and ad executive who thought a movie about the Antichrist would be a good idea, so he pitched it to a studio. Knowing Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist had both been wildly successful, producer Harvey Bernhard agreed the idea would be a moneymaker and signed on to make it. Then, Munger suddenly began warning everyone that the movie would be cursed, claiming, If the devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible and you're going to do something which is going to take away his invisibility to millions of people, he's not going to want that to happen. Bernhard pushed forward with production, but as strange events began happening, he began wearing a cross while on the set just in case. Many child actors don't continue working into adulthood, but was Harvey Stevens' disappearance due to the curse? After appearing in a 1980 made-for-television movie, he didn't take any film roles until a small part in the remake of The Omen. In fact, he retreated so far out of view, the producer of an Omen documentary hired a private investigator to track him down for an interview, but was unsuccessful. Apparently, playing Damien has affected several other actors, too. Omen 2's Jonathan Scott Taylor worked briefly as a stage actor, but quit to work for a trucking business in Australia and may have changed his name. Even Sam Neill, who played an adult Damien in Omen 3, refuses to talk about his time spent making the film. Despite all the rumors and evidence that the original Omen was cursed, Hollywood decided to remake it in 2006. Although not quite as deadly as the original curse, the production did encounter some problems. While filming, Father Brennan actor Pete Postlethwaite's brother died unexpectedly after he received three sixes in a poker game. Also, 13,500 feet of film, which included an important scene in which Lee Schreiber finds the devil's birthmark on his son, was mysteriously destroyed while being processed in the lab. No one could explain what happened. Even a documentary exploring the curse of the omen in all its various forms suffered some strange events when two cameras in two separate locations both experienced the same technical difficulties. Director Richard Donner and producer Harvey Bernhard didn't want The Omen to be a typical horror film. Donner wanted the movie to be more of a mystery suspense and envisioned the story to seem like a series of horrible coincidences that lead up to an ending which makes the audience wonder if everything was actually connected. This sounds eerily similar to the coincidences of the curse, and the promotional idea the film used added to this in hindsight. Advertising was started before the film came out and used a theme of impending doom to hook audiences. Taglines such as, Good morning, you are one day closer to the end of the world, 
And remember, you have been warned, are even more disturbing considering all the strange things that ended up happening behind the scenes. Was the omen actually cursed? Was there a dark force punishing the cast and crew for creating the film? What do you think? Find us on Instagram at Straight Up Enigmas or Twitter at Straight Enigmas and let us know. You can also contact us through email at straightupenigmas at gmail.com or through our website, straightupenigmas.home.blog. If you like the show, please remember to hop onto Apple Music to give us a five-star rating. It really helps the podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Jaden McKell, and the theme song was created by Chuck Flyer. You can find the information for articles I used in my research in the show notes and on our website at straightupenigmas.home.blog. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time on Straight Up Enigmas.